Hey guys, welcome to the Tales of Moxie podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Lee, and I'm so glad that you're here. I created this podcast with the simple desire of wanting women to have a place to share their stories. Our stories are so powerful, and God's fingerprints are evident throughout them all. So each week, I sit down with another woman who is brave enough to share her story with us. We talk all the things with no judgment. While each story is unique to the person telling it, I find that I see myself in all of them, and I'm sure that you will too. Welcome back to another episode of Tales of Moxie. This week, we have Beth Nyhart. She is a Christian leader, a successful business owner, a wife, a mommy, and a recovering porn addict. God is redeeming her story as she uses it to educate churches about how sin nature is still evident and how it's something that we need to actually be paying attention to. So this conversation was so cool because we talked about porn, we talked about sex, we talked about sin, and we talked about how important it is to actually be repentive and what repent it even means. So this conversation was really cool and it was a lot, it was kind of heavy. So I really want you guys to be able to know that going in. It was a heavy conversation, but it was so good. And sometimes the heaviest conversations are the most needed ones. So I hope that you guys enjoy and I hope that you guys take something away from this. Hi, Beth. Welcome to the Tales of Moxie podcast. I am so excited to have you on. Thanks for making time for us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to get to chat about this. Yeah, me too. So I'm just going to jump right in because I am fascinated by your story and the topic that we're going to talk about today. So if you don't mind kind of just telling us, you just wrote a book called Rend Your Heart, and I want to know all the things. How did you kind of get on this journey of this is the story and the topic that you are sharing with the world. So if you don't mind just starting kind of at the beginning and just telling us, how did you get started on this journey? Yeah, well, um, I had no plans to write a book. Okay. <laughs> I, really didn't. I had had a blog for a while. I knew that I liked writing, um, but I have friends who have wanted to be authors forever. And I was never... I was never one of those people. I never thought that I um, had the attention span to write a book. I think that's kind of my, my thing. But um, a few years ago, God started really prompting me to start sharing my story. And my story is about pornography addiction. Um, and I was introduced to porn when I was eight. Um, and for the next 10 years, I didn't know how to deal with it. So I wasn't dealing with it. I was also being raised in the church. So I was, um, kind of living this double life. I was very much the church kid. I knew all the answers. I knew all the memory verses. I won all the sword drills. Like, (laughs) um, but then when I went home and when I, um, was alone, it was a completely different story. And I was so emotionally torn up about, um, I knew what I was doing was wrong, but I couldn't like mentally convince myself to stop, um, stop doing it. And I knew I needed to get help, but I didn't want to tell anyone I knew because they all thought I was this amazing, (laughs) like Christian church girl. Um, and, uh, one of the lies that Satan is so, um, tells so many of us is that if anyone knew about our thing, whatever our thing is, that we would, that everything would be different. We would lose all of our friends. We would lose all the respect that we've gained. We would lose the love of the people that mean the most to us. Um, And just, you know, these lives that we've kind of carefully crafted would just be shot if anybody knew um, whatever, you know, this, these deep, dark secrets. And so Satan was telling me that lie and I was believing it. And Um, I also, I think, grew up in kind of that purity culture age, um, where our church was talking about pornography was very much a boy problem, like guys struggle with this. Um, so I also had this added, like, stigma, I felt like a freak of nature, because Mm -hmm. girls were supposed to struggle emotionally, you know, being too emotionally connected or emotionally manipulative of, um, you know, wanting relationships. And so to be a girl who was stimulated visually 
um, you know, there, I just <laughs> felt like surely there's something terribly wrong with me, <laughs> um, you know, that this would be my problem. When I did decide to finally get help, um, what I ended up doing was going to a small discipleship school. I had seen a few other people attend the school and I knew that they were very biblically sound, that there were, they, um, it was a small school and I knew that I would have advisors that I was meeting with every week that were very, um, I knew I would have somebody to confess to and somebody who would help me. And it was going to be somebody I didn't know, which was important to me. <laughs> I didn't want it to be somebody that I knew. So um, I was able to do that and uh, kind of start this journey of actually dealing with sin and learning how to um, confront it because I had just never known um, how to stop sinning. You know, I never knew how to be faced with the temptation and actually walk away from it or have any sort of um, victory over it or obey God and, you know, reject that. Um, I didn't have <laughs> like a track record of doing that and I didn't know any steps to do that. I was just really unprepared, I think. Um, so all of that to say, it took probably another 10 years of working through um, my life and my thought patterns and my habits and all of these things that had been um, kind of trained to do the wrong things. <laughs> and uh, the Holy Spirit and I just were slowly working through these different things and as he was renewing my mind. Um, and all of a sudden, a few years ago, I felt God prompting me to write about write about my my pornography struggle and I just thought god why why yeah. <laughs> why would you want that I mean um there's all these other things about me that are great <laughs> you know that I have strengths in and that I um can do well like why would you want to take this thing that's like my worst shameful thing that um I wasn't I wasn't engaging in that anymore but people still didn't know that I had ever struggled with that. And I still had that kind of all these people who think that I'm um, doing well, you know, who think that I'm uh, this like, you know, Christian to look up to mm -hmm. suddenly um, realize like, yeah, just that I'm not the person, or I wasn't the person that they, that they thought I was. And what God really made clear to me was that, um, he wanted that weakness. Like he wanted the worst part of my life because he was going to redeem that part of my life, uh, for his best and for his glory. And it was cool. And I think what really gets me every time is that, um, God's work in each one of us is really about how inadequate we are and how amazing he is. And I suddenly could understand where Paul was coming from when he was saying, I'm going to boast in my weaknesses. These are the things that make God's grace look that much more amazing. And so if, if I have to give up having a perfect reputation, like that's fine. My reputation, like I, that wasn't real to start with. That was a facade. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, my sin and my weakness and my inability to uh to follow christ and to serve him the way that i should only shows um you know the power of the holy spirit and so yeah so i started writing blog posts about that i started talking with people about that it was kind of amazing as soon as i shared my story the first time uh there were probably five other women who came who messaged me and said uh i struggle with that too and i've never Told anyone or I've never heard anyone talk about this for women um, and so you could tell already that God was moving he was doing something with this so um, with the book what happened was last year I was at a mastermind retreat with my I have a Christian mastermind I'm a part of and we were all talking about if if you were gonna write a book what would it be about <laughs> and so everyone was throwing out there 
big crazy dream ideas and um I started talking about this book um which was not a reality it was I had a google doc that was full of all of my random thoughts and random verses that I thought would be appropriate and quotes and stuff and I was like maybe someday that um might turn into something and uh, I had a friend who encouraged me to put together a table of contents. She said, just see what you have in your, <laughs> in your Google doc. And so I did. And I had, it was the whole book. It was there. Oh, um, wow. It was all like jumbled, right? But all of the content, the, every idea that I wanted to talk about was in that doc. And so uh, I just felt prompted to start writing. This was April of 2018. And I wrote the first draft of the book in two months. I could not stop writing. And I was so, uh, every time I thought about it, I did not have time to write a book. <laughs> I was very busy. I am, um, I run a marketing business. I have a daughter at home, um, like getting like involved with my church. I have family stuff. Like I have a lot of things going on and I would not have thought that this was the right time in my life to write a book, but I could not stop. It was like, God was just pushing and pushing and pushing. You have to do this now. I don't think I slept for two months, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I wrote it. And, um, the most important thing to me was making sure that the theology part was right. And making sure that I wasn't saying anything that was like wacky. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's really just, uh, it's not a book about pornography. It's a book about sin. And it's really just how to deal with sin, how to actually see sin the way God sees it, how to understand what your sin nature should look like. We all have one. So it's, you know, you're, we shouldn't expect to live as if we don't have one. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then understanding like brokenness and understanding grace and mercy and how to confess and how to find accountability and then how to live in forgiveness because a lot of people I think are so ashamed of things that they've done that they never really step into and live that like forgiveness that Jesus offers so freely. So this is my long-winded story, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's really where the book kind of came from and, and what that's about. And the goal is just, um, just that people would start to, they would know how to deal with sin so they can move past it because really like God has so many awesome things for our lives. And so many of us spend, um, spend these years like entangled in stupid stuff that we should be able to get past. We should be able to, to move on. Um, you know, but we're so ensnared with bitterness and with pride and with, uh, you know, these, these things that we just let grow because we don't know how to dig them out and get rid of them, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's so much in there that I'm like, I want to, I want to talk about that. And I want to talk about that, but I love that when I'm listening, it seems like, like you were saying, it's a book about sin, but it seems in a way like it's almost a book about overcoming shame too. Yeah. And I think that that's what we we get so hung up on when we, like you said, when we don't want to share our secret sins with anyone, you know, and we think like we can't even share them with someone that we don't know, but is supposed to be trusted. Like that's scary too. And yeah. I, I love thinking of like, I shouldn't say I love, I, I, my thought during that was shame is like the poison that tells us all of those things are true. We can't share them with anybody. And Shane's yeah. going, yes, that's right. You can't, you can't because you're already the worst. And that's mm -hmm. listening to that. I'm just thinking like you started, you said at eight and I can only imagine the amount of shame that would have planted itself within you to where when you're trying to overcome this now, you have not only are you struggling with pornography, which is a, you know, it's, it's a sin, but we also have a biological component that makes it addicting. Right. So there's, there's so much you know, so much else going along with that, that it's like, you're struggling now with, with shame and a biological physiological component. And you're dealing with now, like you said, my reputation was, I looked like a good Christian girl. And, and I don't know how old you were. I, I, I want to say you were still in your teens when you were talking about that. 
You said um, 10 years you struggled with I was, it? I was 18 when I confessed. Yeah. So, so I went to that Bible school. Yeah. And thinking about like an 18 year old, when I was 18, that would have been the scariest thing on the planet. Um, so I'm curious, one of the things that I would, I would love to kind of bring light to is that that was a good point that you said that this is a topic that women don't talk about. We hear a lot about pornography and I don't want to make it all about pornography, but I want to pull that out for one second so that the listeners hearing can know that this is a real topic for women too. Cause we hear about pornography so much as something that is a struggle for men. So this is hearing you talk about this in light of like, this is something that I struggled with and not, it's not any worse than anything else. It's just something that we struggle with. You know, there's, we all struggle with our own thing. And I think that's important for listeners to hear. They're like, this is a thing too. And there's not a lot of awareness around this in the Christian world in general, but especially for women. So I applaud you and commend you for bringing this into the light a little bit and showing us like, no, this is a problem too. This is a sin that women deal with. And it's, it's not shameful. We can talk about this just like we talk about everything else because we talk about all easy sins, right? And I put that in air quotes because there's so many things that I have people say, well, I have an accountability partner and I tell them about my fight with my husband or, you know, I talk to them about my anger and things like that, but it's just the same. It, they're all sins. So I love hearing that. So as you were taking this journey and you're writing this book, what did you learn about God and sin? What was like the thing, if you can point out that you're thinking like, this was the main thing that all, there's a whole bunch of other things, but the main thing that I'm thinking, I learned the most about God when I took this journey. Hmm. Such a good question. <laughs> um, so I think one of the most impactful things for me was realizing how often God def- talks about sin using sexual terms. Mm. You're right. Like, Sex is so taboo <laughs> for um, for Christianity in general, and in the world, sex is so like free. Let's talk about it. Let's do it. Let's you know yeah. all of the stuff that it, within Christianity. I feel like we just kind of shut it down. <laughs> like, and and I think you it. have such a good point, probably because culture talks about it so much. Christianity yeah. thinks we can't go there, and we almost yeah. forget like God created it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, but if you look at um, Ezekiel 16 or Jeremiah 2 or the book of Hosea, those are all about God comparing Israel sinning against him by worshiping other gods with adultery. Mm-hmm. And what, um, what is so significant to me in that is he's holding up the covenant of marriage, which we understand like we can see the covenant of marriage and he's saying, this is a covenant and you have a covenant with me. And this is what it looks like when you break this covenant. And um, so he's taking these sexual terms in Ezekiel 16. He uses that. He calls her a whore like 17 times. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and it's funny that as you say that you're even laughing. Cause that's how Christian, like that's how as Christians we're like wired to think like we shouldn't even right. like that like, shouldn't even be a thing we say. <laughs> yeah. But, um, it was so interesting to me in this, in this particular chapter, he, um, he says, when I first saw you, you were just born laying in your blood by the side of the road. Like nobody wanted you, you were abandoned. And I picked you up and I cleaned you off and I fed you and I clothed you and you grew up. And when you were at the age for love, I married you and um, he like lavishes this girl with gifts. He gives her children. He gives her all of these things, but she has this insatiable lust. Mm-hmm. She's not content with her husband. She's not content um, She's not grateful for the things that he's done for her. She's not content with her children, with the, the gifts that she gives him or that he's given her. And she takes all of those things and she uses them to lure men into her bed to have sex with her. Mm. And just over and over again, it, uh, it says that she sacrificed her children, um, you know, on the altars to these gods. Like just, it's graphic and it's terrible. Yeah. But God's saying, like, this is what you do to me. This is you being ungrateful for 
me bringing you out of Egypt, for me giving you this promised land, for me delivering you from your enemies, and you just turn around and worship these other gods. Um, and there's nothing sexual about Israel's covenant relationship with God, but he's using that covenant of marriage that they understood and showing how awful it is when that is broken, not just broken once, but broken over and over and over and over again, because this wife has a lust that just can't be quenched. And in the same way, our covenant relationship with God is different than Israel's covenant relationship with God, but we can still look at that example and see this isn't just, um, sin isn't just this kind of bad thing that we all do. Like sin is not just something that God doesn't like or something, uh, you know, breaking a rule or, you know what I mean? Like we water down what we think of sin. We just don't think it's that bad. When God is saying, no, this is like, if we were married and you went out and slept with a different guy every night, this is like if you took my children and you like killed them to keep on getting more of what you wanted, or if you took all of our belongings from the house and you sold them so that you can give people money to come sleep with you. Like that's crazy. Mm -hmm. but that's not what we think of at all. However <laughs> um, we think of sin. Um, and definitely like, there has to be a balance between understanding how serious sin is and understanding uh, that we were forgiven of it. Mm -hmm. um, because like you were saying about shame, um, we, <laughs> I think that sometimes we overemphasize sin to the point that we're like, oh my gosh, how could God even love me? Mm -hmm. And we're just like, you know, this isn't even... I don't know, like I'm unworthy to live. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, the amazing thing and the wonderful thing that God does is he says, even in the, even in the stories with, in Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Hosea, he says, um, I'll bring you back. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to, um, you know, rebuild this commitment that I've made to you. And I'm, you know, our covenant I'm going to heal it. Um, and that's what God has done for us in Jesus. Mm -hmm. As he said, like you have, you've, you've betrayed me in the worst and the ugliest ways. And we have to be able to say, yes, like our sin is, we're the worst of sinners. <laughs> like mm -hmm. each one of us, we are. But God has offered us this forgiveness. He's offered to present us as pure and holy and flawless without blemish that we can approach his throne and we have to be able to understand and like fully embrace both of those realities i think that we are <laughs> the worst but when we come into relationship with him with a broken heart and humility accepting the gifts that he's given us um you know then we are worthy to stand before him it's just yeah. not because of anything that we've done. Yeah, I, oh, there's so much. So I'm, I'm thinking of three things that I'm going to do my best to make this like short. But the first thing I'm thinking is that, you know, I, I'm, our podcast is all about like finding your gospel identity and living fully in that. And I, as I'm listening to you talk, I'm thinking like, no, you're right. There's a good point that we either overemphasize sin or we underemphasize it. So where is the balance? And I think it's important to remember that like, we, my identity first is as a child, a beloved child of God, you know, and listening to your story, like he was her, she was his wife first. Um, and so our identity is we are beloved children of God. We then are people who sin, you know, and that's, that's part of our, our acts, but it's not necessarily our identity, our identity first, our first and foremost identity is beloved children of God. But the reality is because of the fall, we are beloved children of God who sin. And so we have to deal with that. The other thing that ties into that is that, you know, Paul talks about it a lot. We have a spirit within us, but we're living in a flesh vehicle, right? Like that's, yeah. that's something that is, is so real. So as much as we try to 
overcome sin and do somewhat of like you were saying with overemphasizing like sin management, where we're going to focus so much on trying to manage the sin and put it all over here and figure out how we can overcome this, that we almost focus so much on the sin that we start sinning more. I don't know about you, but when I'm focused so much on what I can't do, I start doing it more. That's consuming my thoughts all the time. So it's, it's important to remember that like, again, first and foremost, God sees me as Jesus. Like that is my, I have a new DNA. I am a new creation when I am in Christ, but I still live in a flesh suit here on earth. And my flesh suit still has its own desires and lusts and things that it wants to do and pull me into. So every moment of our day is a battle between our spirit self that we know is our real DNA, right? And our flesh vehicle that is like, nope, I want to pull you this way. Are you coming? Um, so that's important too. The third thing that I'm thinking is that when I'm, when I'm hearing you talk about sin and we're talking about the brokenness and how it is so serious is I got divorced um, when I was 22 and I had so many people tell me, you know, well, God hates divorce. And I would tell them always, I know I hate divorce too. Like I hate it too. Like the reason I get why God said that, like God is saying, this will hurt you. This is something that will hurt. It will, it will not go well for you. I don't want to see you in pain because you are my child whom I love. Right. And it's like, Mm -hmm. when we don't always think about that, we think that he's that teacher with a ruler that's just doing it for fun, just snapping our fingers for fun. Right. right? But it's like, no, there is a purpose. These are things that hurt us. And as our father, he doesn't want to see us in pain. So when I'm getting a divorce, which by the way, was the most painful thing I have probably ever been through in my life. The entire time I'm thinking, I totally get this, God. I don't want this to be happening either. This is why you say this. Now it doesn't become a rule as much as like, this is just a part of life. You were looking out for me. And, and I, I'm curious maybe what your thoughts are on that kind of a perspective as God being the father looking at the sin now that we've talked about sin some more. Yeah, no, I love that. I've often thought that same thing specifically about divorce um, because there are people get divorced for so many different reasons. And I, it, that's such a cool way of, of saying like me too. I, yeah. I hate it as well. <laughs> like, um, and probably in your own story with the pornography, it was painful as well. I could probably see where you could say, yeah. I hated this part of my story too. Oh my gosh. I, um, so I tried so many things to, um, disgust myself into stopping. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, I dived into like research about, um, sex trafficking, the sexual exploitation, like industry and how pornography is connected with that. And there's, there are so many terrible, terrible things, um, that are done to, kids to women like to boys there's just like this industry is disgusting Mm -hmm. but my head knowledge of that stuff um didn't have any effect on how my body responded Mm -hmm. Um, and that is just like a shame cycle you know (laughs) that you're just kind of like falling into these cycles of um sin and confession, but really, um, one of the things I think was, is interesting about people who are stuck in like habitual sin is, um, really across the board, we very much do not want to confess to anybody but God. We just want our sin to stay between us and God. And, um, I think that can, the power of confessing out loud to another human being is huge. And, and, you know, really something that God has set up to be that way, that there's power and bringing things into the light. Mm-hmm. Um, and I often say it's like, it's like mold, <laughs> right? It's like uh, that Tupperware leftover that you put in the back of your fridge and you forget about. And the longer that you leave it there, the more it's going to grow. Like you have to open it up get rid of the like rotten food inside Mm -hmm. and clean that thing. And, um, 
And our hearts are a lot the same way. If we let things just stay, they are going to, they're going to fester. They're going to grow and they're going to um, get worse. And I think especially, well, what I can speak to about pornography is that it progresses. You don't um, stay content with what, uh, what did it for you in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, And with most addictive things, you just need, uh, it needs to be grosser. <laughs> it needs to well, be like, And that's physiological too, which is yeah, fascinating because right. it's like we get used to something. We build a threshold up for something. Yeah. And then like you're saying, well, we need a hit of something stronger now because we're not feeling what we used to feel. So there is a component of that as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, and something that you had said earlier about, what were you saying? About how we, um, we are a new person but we still, we still live in these bodies that sin. Um, and our hearts are still wicked, right? Our hearts are still deceitful and desperately sick. Um, something that I was thinking about recently is just my first response in a lot of situations is still sinful. Mm-hmm. My first response is pride or anger or bitterness or lust or greed or whatever it is what I've worked really hard with the Holy spirit and I have been working on, um, is that my second response is repentance. Mm. So yes, I'm a sinful person. I, I sin all the time, mm-hmm. but, um, but I've gotten really good at repenting. Um, yeah. Well, and repentance, right. Cause as you were talking about confession and you were saying we confess over and over again, and I was thinking, well, that's funny. Cause the next step of confession is repentance, right? So it's like, we can confess, but like unless away we, repent from it. And we change our mind, we're mm-hmm. just confessing and we're in a cycle of, I'm going to do it and then confess, do it and then confess. And it's not actually yeah. repentance. So it's, it, that's something really vital is like, no, the next step in that confession is repentance. What you're saying is like changing your mind. And the neat part about what you're saying, you know, is, and I, I even maybe will challenge just a little bit on when you said that your heart is so wicked because they're, again, the spirit lives in us. So there's that part of you that when that sin happens, you're turning around and you're repenting and repenting. Yes. It means change your mind, but it's changing your mind to realign it with God's. Right. So that's where that shift happens. And since you have worked on that and you have trained your, your mind now, and you're, you're kind of saying, I always say, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, my flesh is not having it today, right? I'm not (laughs) letting you win today, flesh. And that's what I'm hearing in you is like something happens and I go, no, I'm going to go back to this and I'm going to realign my mind and my thoughts and my heart even with Christ. And that is so, that is the heart of repentance, right? Is that's the heart of like, I'm going to realign my heart with you, God. And even in that moment, when we have those things, the Bible says like our hearts will have his desires if we're aligned with his thoughts. So it's really cool to be able to say like, look how far you've come, that that's your go-to now is I'm going to sin because we're in a broken world. We're not perfect. So we are all going to sin probably every day, not probably every day. So (laughs) then that's the thing. And that's the journey, right? Is repentance. And that is what I am firmly believe that God is up there delighting in. And that is another thing. When I hear your story of you wrote this book now and you're saying, why would you take my worst thing and turn it into that? And he's like, why? That's what I delight in so much. Look at you go right? Mm -hmm. Like this was it, but no, you've got a heart that goes towards repentance now, which is so cool. Yeah. That's such a huge transformation. Um, and what I've really, what I've really found for me specifically is that I need to have a structure of people around me. Um, I have multiple people that I can, that I confess to that hold me accountable for things, um, that just know what my triggers are and what's going on in my life. Um, and I need that because I am sneaky. (laughs) I know for myself, like I, um, if I give myself room, I get away with things and it's not all about pornography anymore. It's about, um, it's, I mean, even like wasting my time or, um, I know for me, I had to stop reading uh, fiction Mm. 
um, all together for a while. And now just I'm very picky about like the things that I'll read, but I was just, I was doing the same thing that pornography was doing for me. It was this, this like mental escape. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and I could see these, these different things in my life that I had kind of replaced pornography with. Um, and because I was so focused on not looking at porn, <laughs> I wasn't really seeing that I was using other things like, um, like food or relationships or books or binging on Netflix. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like these different things to do the same thing for my brain. And, um, what I really think that lust is all about whenever you really get down to it, it's, it's about self-soothing. It's mm -hmm. about not being able mm -hmm. to deal with emotions or yeah. situations or stress and choosing to take those emotions and like pour them into something else, um, or distract yourself from them. And it's about like indulging your senses so that you don't have to deal with uh, whatever it is. Um, and so, yeah, I really found that like, even though I was getting a handle on pornography, I still, that wasn't the root of my problem. Um, and, and so that's been something that I've had to work through a lot too, is to say, okay, what am I, what am I doing? What does that look like for me? Mm -hmm. Um, that I'm still not turning to God with this desire, or I'm still not, <clears throat> you know, dealing with this stress in a healthy way. Um, and so for me, I've had to just kind of pull in, you know, and like slowly get rid of things as I've found that I need to get rid of things. And um, not that you, I think that sometimes when I say that, it seems like you're just going to end up living in this tiny little box of like the things that you allow yourself to do. And I think that sometimes at least for a short period of time, putting yourself in a small box of like, it's worthwhile to me to limit my freedom, to give the Holy Spirit some room to work. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's what makes it freedom, right? Is that we can choose not to do it. That's where the power right. of freedom comes in, I think. Yeah. Well, and I think that you... If you, so say with, um, specifically with reading novels for me, I had to cut that out entirely because I was wasting, I was just, that's all I was doing. Mm -hmm. I was just like reading these books because I was. Well, and like you out. said, it felt, it is, it helped you escape, you know, which yeah, is like kind of mentally like get away from my real life. Yeah. Which is our whole society right now. I mean, I am, I say this a lot on here, but like scrolling through Facebook, I mean, I can get a screen time notification on my phone that says I spent like four hours in a day and I'm thinking, how did that happen? Well, I'm just mindlessly scrolling. Right. right. And the same kind of thing, cause it's an escape from whatever we're doing or like as you were saying with the novels too, there's that lust, there's that desire for something and that's mm -hmm. filling it in that moment. And I heard, I don't know if yeah. you've heard of Dr. Julie Slattery. Have you heard no, of her? I don't think so. so she, she works a lot with like rethinking sexuality. And one of the things that she says is like, she gives us the story and the narrative of sex um, through the Bible, which is real like short, but she says like sex is we start with the lust and the desire, right? There's a longing to experience it. That starts first, um, which really equates to our longing to experience God. So God has yeah. given us everything in our life as a metaphor, sex too, sex as a metaphor. So there's that longing and there's that lust and desire, and that's our longing for God. And then you get married, you know, if you do it in the way that God has said in his storyline, you get married and you get to experience it, right? So then now you've come to Christ and you've got your experience and it's beautiful and it's a celebration of the covenant, right? So you've made the covenant, you've made the commitment and sex is the celebration of it, which is, you know, he's done that a lot. He has a covenant and then he throws parties, you know, and things like that. Um, and then the commitment for as many years as you go is the faithfulness to that covenant. And that's like, sometimes it's important to, 
kind of rework. This is kind of the framework of why God has given us sex. We live in a broken world and there is lust and desire, but that lust and desire comes from a place of longing for him. We're just, as you're saying, filling it with so many other things yeah. Because we're not turning to him first. So I'm wondering as I'm, I'm listening and I, you did say accountability was a big part, but if we're talking and we're thinking about someone who's listening, that's wanting to be like super practical and saying, maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's just like you were saying, reading novels. Maybe it's Facebook scrolling. They've got that thing that they're like, I know this is holding me back from my best relationship with God. What would you kind of advise as like a first step to be like, I'm changing that part? Well, so, so I, I always say, I always say the first thing that you really need to do is start praying and ask God to provide the right opportunity for confession, the right person to confess to, and the grace that you need to be able to do it Mm. and start asking him to provide those things for you. Um, if you have some sort of of big secret shame-filled sin that is going to be hard for you to confess, um, I would really suggest that you write it down. Mm. Sometimes you just can't find the words. You can't get them out of your mouth. (laughs) Um, And having it written down, get it out of your brain, put it somewhere tangible that even if all you can do is hand that to someone, like it's a tool. It's a tool that you can use to um, to get over that kind of hump of fear mm. with confession. Um, and then look around and see how God is answering your prayer. You've prayed for the opportunity. You've prayed for the right person to confess to. And what you're looking for is someone who is not going to enable you, is not going to brush off this thing that to you, you know that it's a big deal. You know that this is something you need to deal with. And if you confess to someone who is going to say, oh, you know, that's not actually that bad. They're not going to help you. That's not <clears throat> who you're looking for. <laughs> so look, those, look for someone that's not going to enable you. Um, you. You need to find someone who's not a gossiper. You know, um, you need to find someone who is not, and some of this is hard, but like sometime, well, so the three things that I kind of talk about with confession are you don't want to confess to a predator or a gossiper or an enabler. Mm-hmm. Um, a predator is hard to tell, right? But looking for, um, for godly women who, um, older women in the church, women who've been faithful to God for years, or, um, you know, asking your, your church leaders, like, to hook you up with someone for mentorship, for discipleship, like that might be an option. Sometimes your church already has those programs in place um, to connect people with, um, with someone if they want to be mentored or discipled. <clears throat> anyway, all of that to say like confession is kind of that first thing that you need to do to find someone that will walk through this with you. And then accountability is really about um, having a person who will walk through sanctification mm. with you. It's not about this person changing you. And it's not about, um, like the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to do the work in your heart. And an accountability partner is just someone who will stand beside you and help you stick to the commitments that you've made. And help you stick to like if you've decided to limit something or if you've decided to stop a behavior um an accountability partner is someone who will brainstorm what you need to stop and how and who will talk to you about it specifically and um and regularly ask you questions um i think a lot of times we have this bad taste in our mouth with accountability because we think of people asking awkward questions (laughs) or someone we don't really know very well who doesn't feel like they're really committed to us. Um, You know, and that's not what it should be. Accountability should be someone that you can talk to about many things. You don't always have to be diving into your deepest, darkest stuff, but 
it needs to be someone who knows that deepest, darkest stuff so that when that is an issue, they ask about it and you can tell them about it. Um, but I think having that kind of structure that you know how to confess very specifically, I think if you leave things vague, that's when you just stop doing them. Mm -hmm. So if you know very specifically how you can confess, you know very specifically how you can um, be in relationship with someone and be accountable. Um, that is just, that's how you can get into that repentance cycle mm -hmm. <laughs> and give yourself, um, you know, saying give the Holy Spirit some room to work on you, like cut out these things that are distracting you, at least for a time. Um, like I was saying with novels, I cut them out entirely. And then now I'll read uh, something that's been recommended or um, like a favorite author if they come out with a book. But I always get a physical book. I don't read on my phone anymore. Mm. Just kind of like limited um, to things that I know are not going to suck me into a hole. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like Paul said, you know, not all things are permissible, but exactly. not all things are beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think that there's a mindset that we have to have that is just like, if it means being able to follow Christ better, if it means holiness, if it means being able to obey when you're asked to obey, then our, our rights and our freedoms and our like in luxuries that we have, um, on earth but like especially as Americans and stuff like we don't need those as much as we need to be able to obey God when he asks us to obey and if something that we are indulging in is allowing us to ignore God when he talks to us that should go yeah like that thing should go um and that's not always <laughs> easy. No, um, it's, it's it's usually very hard. <laughs> well, right, right, yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely. And I think, yeah, I think that what's difficult is usually whenever you start talking about stuff like that, you have something in your mind, like comes into your mind and you're like, I know that that's the thing, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, yeah. I'm full on sitting here thinking like social media. Yeah, <laughs> social media. I should take a seat back from that. Like, I, and I, you're right because we hear the things, and we know our spirit knows exactly. Right. Well, on. yeah, that's because we have the living spirit of God inside us, and He's pointing to the thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Great. <laughs> yeah, but we just often are. Um, I feel like every time I've given something up to God, He's almost immediately gone to the next thing and said, "Will you give this up too?" Mm -hmm. and then as soon as I give that to him he goes to the next thing and I'm like man give me a break <laughs> like, like would you please just be content with what I've given you for a while <laughs> he won't he's not going to you know like he wants my whole heart and until I've given him my whole heart like he's not going to be um he's not going to be content with part of it and that's good I don't want him to be like I want him to pursue me Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. Down to the yeah. very end, right? Like that's my goal is that like I could finally get to the place where I've given mm -hmm. him everything in my life. And um, I love that. It's uh, a never ending journey, right? But I think what is so cool about following Christ is that <laughs> we do feel like our lives here on earth are just, you know, uh, going to last forever. <laughs> and that, you know, this struggle with sin is just going to be um, is never going to end. And I think that we just have such a short term view. You know, we have this short little life and then we're going to be with God for eternity, you know, and is this 80, 90, 100 years, whatever it is. Um, to, I don't know, like, do you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. We sometimes can just feel like this is lasting forever, and like he's asking mm -hmm. too much. And like, we we forget, I think, so. that like this life that we live is a blip on the dot of eternity, right? Yeah. Like that, it is a blip on the dot of eternity, and it's the blindest we'll ever be. Right now is when we don't know all the things, right? We haven't met Jesus face to face, so he can't tell us all the things. We're not 
completely aware. So it's our chance to build faith and it's our chance to understand that relationship. But we think because that's all we know, right? We, we have our concept of time and God is outside of time. So it's, you're right. It's, it's hard for us to remember that like, no, this is a tiny dot on the spectrum of eternity. I kind of think of that. I have a four-year-old daughter and she's always wanting to be grown up and wanting to be able to do things that she can't do now. And she just suddenly became obsessed with like wanting to get married. And (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Um, You're like, okay. (laughs) I know. But looking at it as an adult, that's what I'm telling her. Like you need these years. You need to be a kid. You need to, um, you need to learn how to function in the world and be content with, what you have, where you are, because it's going to be gone all too quickly. And the things that you develop now, like the habits you learn now, the, the things that you um, go through now, like that's going to be the foundation you have for the rest of your life. And uh, I can often, I can think of God doing the same thing. Like this is all you have, this short term. It's not all you have, but mm-hmm. like this is where yeah. you're building your relationship with me. Mm-hmm. This is where you're building like your eternity. Yeah, you're going to spend your eternity with, but even um, within the realm of like people who are saved, like this is, this is where you're building that foundation of like how much faith you've given, how much, and you know, he talks about um, being rewarded mm-hmm. and this, you know, this is where we get to, to do that. <laughs> and so it's, yeah. it's just a blip like you're yeah. saying. Yeah. How neat. If only we could like take all the advice we give our children and actually <laughs> live on it. <laughs> but I love that. Yeah. That's so good. So good. Beth, where, as we're kind of wrapping up, where can people find you? Where can they buy your book? Where can they learn more about you if they want to get in touch? Yeah. Um, so my book will be out on March 22nd. Um, I don't know when the podcast is going to go out, but March 22nd, if we're after that date, you can buy it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and it'll be on Amazon. And it's called Rend Your Heart and Not Your Garments. I love that. That's so good. Um, my website is rendyourheartbook.com. And then all of my social, I, all of my social media, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. And those are both <laughs> Rend Your Heart Book is the, you know, facebook.com slash rendyourheartbook or Instagram. Awesome. Congratulations on the book. Thank you for making time with us and for being so open and honest with your story and raw for everyone else. I know that they're going to have so much to gain and so much. I know God's going to use this in big ways. So thank you for being so open and honest. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed getting to talk with you. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you want quotes from each episode or want to find and reach out to the awesome people interviewed, please find us on Instagram under at Tales of Moxie and follow us for all the details and for info on who will be on the show in the weeks to come. As always, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at talesofmoxie at gmail.com. I love hearing from you guys. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.